This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Uh, on today's show, I'm going to be uh, delving deep into the pressing issue of cybersecurity uh, here in Malaysia and elsewhere, a topic that we regularly touch on uh, for good reason. Shockingly recent figures show that 72% of Malaysian companies are on the brink of compromise with losses amounting to 600 million ringgit in the past year alone. Uh, and amidst this digital crisis, some might say, one significant challenge stands out, the dire need for cybersecurity professionals and the lack of awareness. And to counteract this, Palo Alto Networks has launched the Cyber ACES program, a pioneering initiative designed to educate our young digital natives, those aged between 5 and 15, uh, instilling in them the essentials of cybersecurity. Not only does this program aim to protect the immediate digital landscape, but it also aspires to pave the way for future cybersecurity experts, something it feels like Malaysia is in dire need of. Now, today I have with us again Stephen Sherman. He is the regional VP for ASEAN at Palo Alto Networks. He's going to help uh, shed some light on the Cyber Aces program, the challenges in bridging the cybersecurity skills gap, and the collaborations forged to fortify Malaysia's digital frontiers. That all sounds very impressive. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show again. It's been a long time. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. And we're in the second half of uh, 2023. Time does fly, Richard. So nice to hear your voice again and happy to contribute to your discussion. Great. It's good to have you back. Now, you heard me in the beginning of that. 72% of Malaysian companies on the brink of compromise, 600 million ringgit uh, lost in the past year alone. Give me some insights, I guess, then into the current state of cybersecurity in Malaysia, uh, particularly in, in, in relation to that 72% that I just spoke about. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, so here's the juxtaposition. You talked about the 72% of compromise. Um, balanced against that, of course, is there's the Malaysian government and across the ASEAN region, in fact, governments pushing for digital connectivity, um, smarter nations, talking about the digital economy, going yeah. online, etc. So, I'm, and that's the reality. Um, companies and the public sector, so government, are trying to streamline services, deliver services in a more efficient, faster manner. However, because of that, because of, because of that digital connectivity, of course, people. Uh, can be compromised. And it's exasperated in the sense that users may not understand what it means to go online. And the threat actors, so the bad people, it could be an organ a criminal organization, it could be an individual, it could be a rogue nation, are uh, using more and more sophisticated means to compromise individuals. Specifically mm. for Malaysia, mm. you know, we've seen roughly in uh, 2022, a 37.5% increase in ransomware and extortion cases. So, you know, so that, that is significant. Also, a surge in complaints, you know, in 2020, 60% of complaints to the security commissions were fraud related. So fraud online is becoming more and more prevalent also because people are doing transactions online. So, you know, that's some high level figures in the context of Malaysia. So that 600 
million ringgit that I, that I referred to earlier on then, what, what do you think are the main contributing factors to that? Is it because of fraud or is it just because people haven't been diligent and looking after their cybersecurity? Uh, look, it's it's a combination of a couple things. So firstly, we as individuals, you know, you look at the demographics, we're yeah. all different in an, in terms of our skills, yeah. our understanding about being online. The fact of the matter is all of us are online. I don't know about yourself, um, but I, I'm typically every day online paying and buying something online, taking a grab, um, you know, doing a bank transaction, buying something at a store. So, I mean, our way of life is more and more going online. So the attack surface, and what I mean by that is the ways in which you can be compromised have increased significantly. It's on your mm. smart device, your handphone, it's on your laptop. It might be your, you know, in the past, it might just be an ATM card. So it's multiple surfaces you're being attacked. Exasperated by the fact that I think we as individuals are not aware enough of the potential threat. So there's a huge element of education and awareness here that is very much lacking. Mm. And I often talk about the fact that consumers, because this is also new, there is a level of education that needs to be addressed. We all need to be taught what are the pros and cons about going online and what is the correct behavior versus behavior that could you know, make you further exposed. And a lot of people don't understand what they're doing may in fact be highly risky. Mm-hmm. And how much of that issue is is because there is a lack of cybersecurity talent? Oh, definitely. You know, and that that is, so we can look at this as part of the problem, but also a massive opportunity. So everyone always, you know, you would have heard in the media and the press about the the explosion of artificial intelligence, yeah. machine learning, et cetera, and all our jobs are going to be taken. Having said that, so first there's the threat, okay, in the sense that there is not enough skilled personnel. That mm. is correct. Organizations are desperately trying to respond to the threat by having cyber professionals. But here's the opportunity. Mm. There is a huge vacancy in terms of roles in this sector. So let's talk about, you know, the Malaysian Human Resource Minister who recently stated there's 10,000 plus vacancies in the cybersecurity sector alone in Malaysia. Now think about it. That's 10,000 roles that could impact multiple other persons from a positive standpoint. So yes, there's a skills gap, but that is also an opportunity. And, And that for us as an organization, we're very much focused on what can we contribute in terms of addressing that skills gap, which is really, really important. Mm. Well, let's let's talk about that then. I mean, this idea of the Cyber Aces program, and how do you feel that it aims to equip digital natives with this cybersecurity fundamentals? And I guess at some point, you know, they will be able to enter that workforce and help fill that ten thousand, you know, shortfall, right? Correct. So, I mean, in terms of us as an organization, how we deliver this program, it's important to understand users, and I'm I'm going to try to be cautious not to elude what my age is here, um, (laughs) but users at different age categories have different skill sets and or requirements and gaps we have to address. So, you know, for example, we as an organization, we focus on Cyber Safe Kids program, which is five to 15 year olds. Mm-hmm. We then look at cybersecurity fundamentals, which is for high schools. 
And then we look at Cybersecurity Academy, which is for the tertiary level. So obviously at the tertiary level, we're talking about um, graduates that can go into the workforce and work in this sector, helping organizations with their security challenges. Mm. In the high school and CyberSafe kid category, we're talking about persons or individuals that are being exposed to the threat. And something that perhaps I didn't flag is then at the elderly end of the scale is we're also doing programs to educate the elderly to make sure that they're aware of the threat to themselves because Mm. they are also targets. So we look at the full spectrum, be it may persons entering the workforce and or to contribute to companies and also to citizens and or consumers and, and children and the elderly to be protected from the threat. Of those categories you just mentioned, uh, the four categories, for, uh, mm. who – I don't want to, want to say – okay, yeah. Who would you say are, are most at risk of those four categories? I would suggest uh, the young because the young seem to share and um, share everything online without thinking twice. Mm. Um, you know – Young people like to post through social all sorts of personal um, data points. It might Mm. be where they are located. It it might be partial information on their name. It might be, you know, I've seen firsthand many times people posting their IDs, their credit cards, their boarding passes, etc. You have to understand criminals are gathering these little snippets of information, be it made from a posting of your boarding pass on, you know, an airline, from an airline, a piece of your location that you might have exposed part of your credit card. With those pieces of information, they're stitching this together to basically find a way to get inside your, you know, your digital life mm-hmm. and then compromise you. The other group, of course, is the elderly because they come from an age group that typically have trusted people for a very long time, you know. They, they come from an era where, you know, you know your next door neighbor, you're passing food to each other. You know, during uh, Hari Raya, you, you will go and wish your neighbor Islamat Hari Raya. During Chinese New Year, you will see Kong Si Fa Chai. You know, if, um, you know, Diwali will say hello. So, you know, there's that elderly group. They've mm. all grown up together and they, they will all trust each other. So it's inconceivable I would be receiving a message from my neighbor that he could be tricking me. Because there's a belief he never would trick me when, in fact, someone is masquerading or pretending to be your neighbor. Right, right, so, right. so the elderly find it very difficult to believe or and or comprehend that it, there could be a threat. So when, when I do the training, and, and I did one of these recently with the elderly, to explain, explain the potential threat, it was just so difficult for them to comprehend, you know, why would this be happening to me? Why would someone be targeting me? And that's what Mm. makes this very difficult because you're talking about trust. So, you know, for us as an organization, we talk about this concept of zero trust. Every transaction, every engagement, every time I get a message, I should have a mindset. This could potentially be someone trying to compromise me. And to, to, to explain this to the elderly is very difficult. Yeah, it it is. And and I've had this conversation with with elderly family members as well. And it's a very fine line to have this conversation because we know that moving forward, being digital in one way or another is is super important. You know, everything is transitioning that way. So you want them to be aware, but you also don't want them to be scared. So it's finding that fine line 
you know that that balance how do somebody like you who obviously has this discussion with people a lot how do you find that balance you look i mean again it comes back to the education piece i mean it's very easy for us that um talking to the public to always sell the fear. I mean, mm. that's that's not the purpose. Mm. Um, our role, I mean, the organisation I work for is to ensure that the benefits of the digital economy can be realised. It is wonderful that the elderly can get access to their health records online. Mm. It is wonderful that, you know, we can test and check that, you know, the elderly have been vaccinated during covid I mean, it's it's wonderful that during COVID, people could order food and or groceries to their homes during the worst parts of, of, of you know, the pandemic. You know, conversely, I can tell you in Europe, you know, Italy, when the wave was particularly bad, uh, the elderly couldn't buy anything online. They were stuck at home. So there is yes. immense benefits in the digital economy. I mean, the purpose of awareness and education is not to scare people. It's how to reap the benefits, have all the pluses of the digital economy, but without forgetting how to behave appropriately and correctly to protect oneself. And that's the role of our our awareness, our education. And then, you know, more so for the professionals that go into the workforce, they can positively contribute to these companies around cyber awareness, investment in the right cyber skills and products mm-hmm. and solutions because then we can force multiplier that the whole nation malaysia can benefit from the digital economy mm-hmm. and, and that's critical um, at the end of the day it's the force multiplier that every company has the skill sets so i mean so that's why we're so focused on awareness and education that we fill this gap which is currently existing in the marketplace all right let's take a short break here Stephen. um folks i'm on the phone with Stephen sherman regional vp uh, for asean at Pal- Hello, Alto Networks. If you don't know who they are, they are a global cybersecurity leader. Um, we're going to take a short break here on Tech Talk. When we come back, um, maybe discussing some roles on public-private partnerships, Stephen, uh, something along those lines. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Bulldozing fine measures. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Tech Talk. I'm still on the phone with Stephen Sherman. He is the uh, VP of ASEAN at Palo Alto Networks. He's sharing with me some of the uh, details about the Cyber Aces program. In fact, we've been sharing quite a bit of stuff. Um, But Stephen, I want to pick your brains about some of the public-private partnerships that are strengthening uh, Malaysia's tech uh, defenses here, what you're aware of. Yeah, look, so I mean, the first thing I want to flag here is that this gap or this shortage of cyber professionals is not going to be solved overnight. It's not something like I'm going to click my fingers because you and I have had this chat and it's fixed. That's not the case. So what's really key is, is the government sector, educational institutions and the IT industries. And I'm one representative of the IT, not myself alone, but the industry. We have to work together to close the gap and build, you know, a healthy talent pipeline um, to ensure that people are going through into the tertiary sector, et cetera, and being trained 
to address these skills gaps. I mean, I mm. think that's really, really important. But something else I often flag as well, I, I think which makes, you know, the skills gap, uh, the, the gap that exists, because up until recent years, particularly in the Asian culture mindset, and I flag this, and people sometimes laugh at me about this, particularly when I speak to Westerners, it's, I think, Asian culture needs to understand that being a cyber professional is something pretty damn cool and it's really important. So and why do I say that? Because in the Asian context, you have parents who will say to you, go and become a doctor, go and become an engineer, go become a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, rarely does a parent say, go and become a cyber professional. And I think there needs to be a huge effort to you know, educate also parents to make it clear to them, you know, the world is evolving and changing. This is a core profession where your son or daughter could have a phenomenal career and positive, positively impact the world and make it safer. And I'm, I'm not trying to uh, exaggerate here. I think that's really important because that's the other, you, you, we can create the programs, we can work with the, the government and the education sector, but if people don't want to go and pursue this career because they think it's uncool, then mm-hmm. you're never going to get people turning up to study. So I think one of the things I often talk about is I make it very clear, you know, this is a really cool thing to do. We're helping people of all generations to get online, protecting them and making a massive positive impact to society. So I think that's also important. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially as, you know, more more people do come online and 5G becomes a thing and AI becomes much more prevalent than it is already. You know, we're already talking about there's a 10,000 shortfall of people here in Malaysia. You know, amplify that across time and space. And there is going to be an ample need for these kind of professionals. And obviously, that, that's one challenge uh, that, that we face. But when it comes to nurturing, um, you know, and like you say, getting people and, and parents in particular uh, to accept and understand that this is, is a potential career path and, and a good career path at that and a very often a very well-paid career path. What other challenges have you seen as well? So, you know, so the other part, I think, on the challenge piece is, um, you know, how do we create this cyber defense mindset mm-hmm. uh, to complement, you know, the, the public and private sector education piece? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the expertise is on, you know, with cyber police, but we as citizens that we identify and report suspicious activities. So think about it. You know, in the old days, it would be the neighborhood watch because you would physically see someone come into your neighborhood <laughs> trying to steal a car. Yeah, I mean, the problem yeah. that we deal with now, cybercrime, um, you know, and you think about, we're talking about cloud now. Where is the cloud? Is it in my head? Is it, you know, is it over in KL? Is mm, it in mm. Penang? Is it, you know, in Bukit Bintang? I mean, it, it's hard to, to, you know, put into context a physical location. So we as individuals, if we spot any suspicious activity, something that's unusual or strange, we should report it. Now, I give you an example. When I'm on LinkedIn, I mean, I can pretty much identify very quickly someone's trying to fish fish me or there's something very unusual even on instagram certain types of invites yeah. i immediately go and report it yeah um, so i mean 
that mindset is part of cybersecurity defense, and it speaks to education and awareness again. We all as individuals should act as the layer of defense to report this activity. But unless you um, know how to identify the activity, it's very hard to report it. But that's what we need to to get to that point because mm. that broadens the lens and it, help, it makes sure that every one of us as individuals, if we see something strange, we immediately take action. I mean, it's no different to the fact, you know, post 9-11, remember all of us were taught, if we see a piece of lug- luggage being left at a train station unattended or an airport, immediately let the uh, the airport terminal know, hey, there's a bag sitting here, no yeah. one's with it. It's yeah. the same thing on in you know the cyber world, the cyberspace. If we see something unusual as part of cyber defense, we should go and report it. Mm-mm. And we should do that. Mm. Let, let's go back then uh, and look at something a, a little bit more positive perhaps and give me some success stories of or significant milestones i guess of, of the cyber aces program since it started yeah so a couple things you know so i keep talking about the company i work for but i think it's really important that our program is vendor neutral we have ne- this program was created never with the intent to say you know come and buy products and solutions from Apollo Alta Networks. That's not yeah. the intent. So yeah. The reason yeah. I flag that's important because our intent is very clear. It's to protect um, people and, you know, the public sector and services, et cetera. So th- th- I, I flag that because I think that's important as part of the success. We don't have a hidden agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of actual schools, I mean, I, I mean, I'm going to flag a couple names, and I'll try my best not to um, butcher the names. You know, so there's University Malaysia Perlis, there's University Malaya, there's you know Utar, there's University Kebangsaan Malaysia, so UKM, so uh, Taylor's University. So there's a whole swath of universities that we're actively uh, collaborating and working with not as a once-off. Remember I said this problem can't be fixed overnight. Yeah. It's an ongoing program where we engage with the universities. We, you know, give them input. We try to be part of the curriculum. We try to have, you know, time with the students. And importantly, because we're at the coal face, you know, we're dealing mm-hmm. with this challenge on a daily basis to share real-life stories, what we see out of the field. You know, we saw this the other day, this particular scam. We saw this particular type of activity on Instagram. We saw mm. this particular activity on a, on the on the network of a number of government institutions. We saw this particular phone call from the Department of Health talking about COVID COVID vaccinations. Be aware of it. Don't give your your data and don't click on the URL because probably your handphone will be compromised. So, you know, we have a whole pile of these. Um, programs and not only in Malaysia across ASEAN so we're working actively with the public sector with governments in terms of training uh, and investment in skill sets and expertise and this is an ongoing program and we're very much committed to it a large part of my time when I'm traveling on the road is trying to allocate some time to this because it's really important because Mm. it's something we can't fix overnight. Mm. Stephen thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Likewise, and I really hope we do catch up sometime soon. There's lots to talk about. Um, For sure. 
for sure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've been on the phone with Stephen Sherman. He's the regional VP for ASEAN at Palo Alto Networks. Uh, we've been speaking about the Cyber Aces program and the importance of education when it comes to cybersecurity. If you missed any part of this show, go and download the podcast. I highly recommend that you do. Give it to your grandma. Give it to your kids. Let them listen. It's important. Um, it is available, of course, on our BFM app, which is available in the Apple App Store or Google Play, and it is digitally signed. It's me signing off, of course, uh, from Enterprise uh, Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.